church. Let's go. Oh, yeah, there we go. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Tanner. Thank you, Van, for leading us in worship. Guys, I'm excited to be here with you guys. Um, if you didn't know, I've had way too much coffee, way too many cups of coffee already. And Mr. James Petty, we don't have favorite church members, but if we did, he would be mine um, because he's already brought me more coffee. So if I'm too much for you, blame James. Um, if you enjoyed it, blame James. <laughs> Either way, um, I'm, I'm excited. By the way, my love language is gift. If anybody ever wants to do something nice for me, just bring me food. That's all. That's, I will love you forever. That's all it takes. Oh, but good morning. Um, you weren't here when I mentioned it before. My name is Andrew Pierce. I am the student pastor here. Um, so I love working with students, with kids, with teenagers, all that. Uh, my, that's my comfort zone and being able to talk with them, uh, lead them and work with parents to better disciple their kids, to do all of these things. That's what my heartbeat, my passion is for. Um, but as Taylor mentioned earlier today, Brother Terry's actually in Amory doing a revival for one of our other Free Will Baptist churches this morning. Um, so, Brother Terry, if you see this later, hey, um, and everything. So he's preaching as we speak. I bet we'll still be done first, um, but <laughs> probably not. Uh, <laughs> I'm lying. Uh, your pastor is lying right before your very eyes. Um, but <laughs> uh, hopefully we'll be done first. He's preaching this morning. He's actually preaching again tonight, uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night in Amory at First through a Baptist church there. Um, as Tanner mentioned, you can also stop by Bill's Hamburgers. It gives you a good hamburger and stuff. One of our uh, own members, Krista, they manage that as well and stuff there in Amory. Um, so we're giving a shout out. Plug, she's actually serving in the nursery this morning. Um, but we, you guys can be a part of that. If you are interested, you just can't get enough of Terry and Amanda Bedingfield is saying, yes, I need to go every night. Um, you know, if you just can't get enough of Terry, you can go see him tonight, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, or, you know, if you don't, oh well. Um, but just pray for him this week. Um, he's leading a revival and stuff. He's obviously, he works here. He's uh, invested in so much here, but he's actually leading another church through a revival. So let's lift our pastor up in prayer too. Um, he's doing a work there, helping to lead them in a work of the Holy Spirit moving within their hearts and lives. Pray for the Amory Church, all those that may be attending um, for there. And just remember to, Brother Terry this week in your prayers. Well, guys, you guys are stuck with me today. <laughs> I am already wound up. I'm excited, um, and I'm jumping right into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm nuts. Y'all ain't ready. Um, we're going to be doing yoga. We're going to be doing the whole nine yards. We're going to exercise. How many of you guys are ready to exercise? Let me hear a whoop, whoop. All right, like three of y'all. Uh, <laughs> how many of y'all exercise before you came to church today? Cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm at 7,500 steps, okay? I am wound up. I'm excited. I talked to Nick um, and Abram in the back. They do our live stream stuff before we even got started. And they said, look, I've got one job for you. I just want you to sit, like, remotely still on the stage. And I'm like, I'm going to let you know I ain't doing that. Um, <laughs> like, I'm already going to be getting on the floor. Y'all ain't ready. I'm excited. I have a passage to share with you guys from Luke chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 5. Um, what I want to share with you guys today is there's two things. Every time I get the opportunity to speak in big church, as I call it with Children's Church, in the main service with the adults, is I have two main goals that I always want to speak on. I don't have, you know, Terry plans out his sermon series like a year in advance. Um, obviously, we seek the Holy Spirit, what he wants us to preach on, where we're going for the next year, what the theme is, anything like that. And obviously, if the Holy Spirit changes that, we'll change that. But he plans his series out, his messages, you know, relatively so. He, he preps it throughout the week, but he plans that out a year in advance. Well, when I get to fill in and speak, it's like, you know, I got one shot. 
in the words of Eminem. Uh, I got one shot, you know, like to, to make it count. So, yeah, I referenced Eminem. I'm the youth pastor, okay? I, 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 I've got one shot to make something count. And so what I like to do is I just like to speak on what the Lord is teaching me. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to have any, this is the five steps you do to live a better Christian life. Like, I don't have anything like that for you. I just like to share what God is teaching me and where I'm at in life with you guys. And like, maybe it's not even for y'all whatsoever. And it doesn't do nothing for any of y'all. This is for me too. Um, because this is what the Holy Spirit has led me to speak on and what he's showing me in my life. And I just feel like maybe it could also help somebody else. And then there's a second thing I always like to do. I like to throw Terry under the bus. Because if you didn't know this, I, I hesitate to mention this if you're a guest. Um, Brother Terry is my father. Um, he's been the pastor here for 21 years. And I have been pretty much every sermon illustration every week for 21 years. Some, I went to Morville, so somebody do the math. 21 times 52. It's a lot. There's been a lot of sermon illustrations that I've been a part of. So I like to, you know, get back at Terry just a little bit. And I don't even have nothing today. Everybody say, aww. I'll probably come up with something. Uh, like, I, I'm, I will say this. Aaron, it was the goody two-shoes, the perfect kid and everything else. Like, all A's, good at everything he did, never messed up, didn't, like, his poop didn't stink or whatever. Um, Adam was one that was just, like, there. <laughs> Adam was chill. Uh, so, you know, he was just, you know, cool, whatever. Me? I was that pastor's kid. <laughs> we already talked about that last week, how Terry said, please don't call my kids pastor's kid. But y'all know there's a reason why stereotypes exist. I am that stereotype. Um, I was that kid, and I saw, sorry, I do have to share this too. For all of the younger generations on TikTok, as my wife sent this to me, and she said, for all of you guys that were like the heathens in youth group and, you know, walked away from the Lord and was addicted to drugs and alcohol and everything else, like did all this horrible stuff of the world, how many, and but now that you're back in the church, said, how many of y'all are enjoying youth ministry now? Like, apparently it's the prerequisite. We had to be morons in order to be youth pastors. Let's go! <laughs> That's me! Uh, <laughs> Woo! Um, and y'all hired me. I blame you guys. Um, Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be at today. Don't fire me, Bubba. Um, Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be at today. I'm excited to share this with you guys um, and what God has laid on my heart. And I've entitled this, Trading Passive Faith for Crazy Faith. Um, I'm going to walk through a Bible story that if you've been in church any period of time, you're probably somewhat familiar with this story. It's a crazy story, but I want to revisit it in a new way that maybe we've not always thought about. And uh, <laughs> I give the joke, I'll throw, I'll throw a little shade at Tanner. Um, Tanner refuses to read from the book of John. <laughs> let, me, let me explain that real quick. Um, we believe that God's word is inerrant, that it's good, that it's perfect. Everything that it says is what it says. Like we don't take or add anything from. But Tanner refuses to read from the book of John um, because we, Terry went through a sermon series for like three years in the book of John. And he's like, I'm sick of hearing about John. And then we launched into this here journal reading plan method and everything else. And guess what our D groups walk through? The book of John. <laughs> and he's like, I'm sick of John. I want to learn from somebody else. So we've been in Luke. We're going to be in chapter 12 next week. Y'all come back. Terry will have a much better sermon for you. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 12 next week. But I'm going backwards and I'm staying in Luke. Sorry, Tanner. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5 from a very familiar story about how to trade passive faith for active faith. And I believe today, I don't have these on the screen, so if you're taking notes and stuff, you can kind of write this down, but I believe there's three categories that all of us, either as non-believers or believers and followers of Christ, that we fall into one of these three categories in trading passive for active faith. First, the first category that I believe we fall into is maybe we don't fully know what we believe. 
we don't, we have some faith. We, you've, maybe you've been in church a little bit in your life, or maybe you grew up in church, and you just don't even know if all this is actually legit. Like, you don't know if, like, that energy that he got, like, he was actually secretly doing some Adderall on the side with the coffee, um, or if it actually is the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, it is the Holy Spirit. It ain't Adderall. Um, like, it, it really is the Holy Spirit led to what we do and stuff. Like, yes, this is legit, but maybe you have questions about that. Maybe you're trying to figure out, like, if, if this whole walk with Jesus thing, because you've seen it done so poorly by pastors, by other Christians, by other people in the world that claim to love Jesus and then hated their neighbor. Shame on us, just saying. Maybe you've seen it done so poorly that you don't even know if this is legit. Maybe you don't even know if you want to actually be part of it. like, look, I like Jesus and all, and I'm cool with the aspect of God and Jesus and all that, but this church thing, it's not for me, and I don't even know why I'm here. It's because, you know, my coworker invited me. <laughs> Again, come back next week. It'll be so much better. Um, but, <laughs> like, I don't even know about all this. I don't know if I even believe all of this. And so we have questions about, which, by the way, can I just say, God is big enough for your questions. God is big enough for your concern, and God is big enough for your doubt, and I dare you, <laughs> I dare you to challenge God with your questions. I do. I really do. I dare you to even challenge your small group leaders with your question. Everybody that leads a connect group, their butt cheeks just went, because uh, they're nervous they're going to get asked a question that they don't know. I said butt cheeks in church. Yes, I did. Uh, like, they're just nervous they're going to get asked the question they don't know. I challenge you because God is big enough. And if your small group leader doesn't know, they'll ask us. And if we don't know, we'll say we don't know and ask God. Uh, but he is big enough for your questions. But can I just say that it, this is the starting point that we do have to believe in the cross we just sang about. If we believe in the mighty cross of Jesus Christ for all of us, not a single one of us in this room did a stinking thing to deserve that. Not a single one of us was good enough. Not a single one of us paid enough money. Not a single one of us gave enough to the church. Not a single one of us was righteous enough. Not a single one of us helped enough little old ladies across the street to outweigh our bad. So let me preface what I'm about to say through this whole message as we are not preaching a works-based salvation. It is by grace and grace alone. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, not of works so that anyone may boast, but it's a free gift from the eternal grace of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Oh, that's scripture. I'm just throwing the word at you today. Like, that is the gospel in a nutshell. It's not anything we can do. It was a free gift, as Paul tells us in Romans, of eternal life, both new life here on earth and one day in heaven. It was given to us. We didn't do anything to earn it. We don't deserve it. It's just unseeming favor upon us that he loved us enough to do for us. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the gospel. So let me just say, if, you're, if you've got questions, that's where you need to start. Seek God. Seek, and you will find. Ask, and it will be given to you. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Again, I'm just throwing scripture at you guys. Matthew chapter 5. If you ask, I promise he's going to give you an answer. You may not like it, <laughs> but he's going to give you an answer. That's the starting point. Some of us have gotten that passive faith because we realized we didn't do anything to earn our salvation, that it was a free gift from God, and then we never moved on past that. And for some of us, we've never even made that initial jump to accept that free gift. So I believe that's the first category. The second category, I believe, are for some of those that we have passive faith because, to be honest, we are just settled for, like, what a passive relationship with Jesus looks like. And let me, let me explain it to you guys like this. If I talk to my wife 
as often as I talk to Jesus. Oh, sorry. Y'all got to forgive me. I'm ADD, so I love it. Like, when I actually notice something, I, like, I literally just said that, and I saw four heads go, like, I'm paying attention now. Like, if I talk to my wife as often as I talk to Jesus, would we have a good marriage? If, <laughs> I'd say, okay, I love my wife. I'm going to tell that to everybody. You know, I'm the good pastor and everything else. I got to love my wife and leave my family and then, you know, the church and prioritize that right. You know, we get all the good church words. But if I don't actually back that up with action, first of all, y'all going to be able to know because we ain't going to be on the same page. Sorry, she was sitting over here in first service. We ain't going to be on the same page. You're going to be able to tell. Guys, we do the same thing with Jesus. We say we love him. We say we want more of him. We say we have a relationship with him. We don't talk to him. We don't spend time with him. We don't even pay attention to church. <laughs> we, we don't. Some of us have adopted this passive faith because Jesus' redemptive work was nothing that we could earn, and we just left it there. We didn't grow. We didn't do anything with this. And again, I'm not preaching a works-based salvation, so please hear me. It is by grace alone. But guess what? In order to grow in a relationship, me and my wife are significantly closer, and I've been through so much more crap now in our life that, like, that we would have never been able to make it through without leaning upon each other because we've developed a relationship in the seven and a half years that we've been married. Some of y'all are still got the same relationship with Jesus from when the day you got saved. God didn't call you to a passive faith. This ain't a spectator sport. It's an action. He actually said to suit up, put on the armor of God, and let's go to battle today as you walk out. This is an active faith, not a passive thing. And then lastly, lastly, that third category, and again, I'm setting all this up before I read the story. I believe the third category is we fall into passive faith and we don't even realize it. I think for some of us, we know all the right words. We know what to do. But for some of us, and if I can be completely transparent, church, complete, full transparency right here. And if you're in my connect group, I know you probably already know this and have already heard this. <clears throat> but the last six to nine months of my life has been some of the most trying times of my life. I'm being honest. Uh, not anything to do with necessarily like church or personal. It's just a season that God has been refining me. And that's why I feel like he led me to this passage to share with you guys today. It's because he's working on me. And so one of the most uncomfortable things that I have to sit up here and do is preach this to you guys, knowing I haven't mastered all of this myself. Full transparency. And any preacher that says they have, they're a liar. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's, this is hard to do. But I feel like I fall into this third category of passive faith. It's because then when stuff happens, when we have tough circumstances, which, by the way, God never promised this was easy. God never once told us that this was going to be easy. And if any preacher has ever told you or any youth pastor or any small group leader has said, once you follow Jesus, everything is unicorn and rainbows and everything's honky door perfect all the time. It's, <laughs> I almost said bad words. It's a lie. <laughs> it's not true. This is hard. It's unnatural. What we naturally want to do is what we want to do. And God said, no, I've got something better for you. And we don't like that. 
So when stuff doesn't go like we planned, when things go outside of our control, I know it's going to shock some of you guys to death, but I am type A to type A to type A. I have a plan for my plan for my plan, and when that plan don't happen, I've got a backup plan. And then when that backup plan don't happen, and I've got to go to plan C, and that didn't happen, I've literally, like, in the fetal position, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I like to be in control. I like type A, and I like to know how everything's going to play out. And do you know what following God is like? <laughs> Not even close to a straight line. We think following God is going from point A to point B, and point B is heaven, and we're good. No, son, we've done gone all around the globe 15 times. I don't like it. (laughs) But I can say that it is always worth it. Where we adopt passive faith is when those times get hard, and we don't have control, and then we stop actually going to God for what we genuinely need. We stop believing that he can or that he will. By the way, some of you guys believe Oh, this is for somebody. Look at me, church. Some of y'all believe that God can change your situation. That's not the problem. You need to have active faith to believe he will. You believe he can. You just don't believe he will. Got quiet. Some of us believe that God can change our circumstances. We just don't believe he will. There's a difference. What I want to get you guys today is something that I'm working through in my own life of how we can have active faith to know that God can And not just that he can, but that he will. Wherever you're at in a relationship with Jesus, whether you have questions, whether you just got saved, whether you feel like you need to grow more, or whether you feel like you've arrived, let me tell you, you haven't. But whether or not, wherever you're at on that spectrum of relationship with Jesus, I want to give you guys a Bible story today about how to move from passive faith to to crazy faith to active faith in what Jesus has actually called us to do. So look with me in Luke chapter 5. We're going to read this story. Starting in verse 17, it says, On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with them to heal. So just so you guys know to set up, Jesus has walked back. He's literally got everybody from Galilee, Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, like everybody has piled into this one place. It'd be like... By the way, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm a good Baptist. I ref, Mary, I refuse to call it the Cadence Bank Arena. It's going to be Bancorp South, okay? I'm just saying. Like, I'm a good Baptist. Like, it's, it'd be like everybody piling into the Bancorp South Arena, Cadence Bank Arena, whatever it's called, into that arena. It's shoulder-to-shoulder people. Like, it's packed house, and everybody's there. Religious people are there. Lawmakers are there. The important people, the not-so-important people, the homeless people, everybody's there. Everybody is piled into this house. Verse 18, and behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the mist before Jesus. Can I stop here for just a second? I want to prepare y'all. When we read scripture, my wife, she, she's gotten this habit where she loves to read books all of a sudden. I'm like, why would you read a book if there's a movie about it? Um, but she loves to read um, for whatever reason. I think she's crazy. Um, but she likes to just generally read all these kind of novels and stuff. Like, I don't even know. I, when we read, I don't want you to speed read this next verse. And I don't want you to miss this. Because this is, this is gold. This is the bread and butter. And this is amazing. This guy is paralyzed lowered through the ceiling in verse 20. And when Jesus saw their faith, 
He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Somebody say amen. Woo, hey, they were having church that day. Let me set this up for you guys. <laughs> this is where we're going to get active. You ready? I brought my mat with me today. And I want everybody to stand up, and we're going to do downward dog yoga poses. No, we're not doing that. Um, but I am a youth pastor, okay? So I like action, and I like to use illustrations to visualize what this actually works with. So if you guys are, some of you guys are going to be like, we are never letting our kids go to the youth department again. Um, that's fine. Uh, but <laughs> it's okay. Um, here's what I want you guys to see. There, the man in this story is completely paralyzed. We don't know like fully all of his story. A lot of times in Bible times, what they would say is if somebody was physically ill, if they were paralyzed, if they were blind, if they were deaf, if they had one of those physical disabilities or ailments, what they would say is because either they sinned or their mom and dad sinned and God had cursed them. 10 out of 10 do not recommend having and adopting that policy, okay? Just saying. I tend to believe God made him paralyzed so he could work a miraculous work that we're about to see. I think that's who my God is. So just saying, this man has been paralyzed his entire life. He's never walked before. And this guy, I want you to think about this for a second. Up until the point, we're going to finish the story. And again, a lot of you guys know the story. But up until this point in the story, this dude's having the day of his life. My guy is laying down on his mat, chilling, can't walk, can't do nothing for himself. They weren't allowed to work back in Bible times. He's chilling on his mat and hears a knock at the door. And it's his boys. It's his friends. You guys, I, I, by the way, I had the opportunity to go to Indiana for one of my best friend's weddings. And one of the greatest things I got to do was literally just me and three other guys like, that I've been friends with since college and stuff. They're all, they're all pastors too. They're real pastors, not youth pastor. Um, they're all senior pastors. And we just got to hang out. And it was so much fun. Like when your friends come and pick you up, like you know it's going to be a good day, right? He's literally sitting on his mat. Here's a knock at a door. It's his friends. They show up. They're there to encourage, which by the way, I'm going to give a whole little side sermon right here. This is why you need community. That's not even the point of this sermon. I think somebody shared it as a meme on Facebook. It says in Mark chapter 2 that God saved a man because of their friend's faith. Who, you're, who you have in your circle matters. That's a whole nother sermon. And y'all, we're going to be here till 4 if I try to preach that one. But just so you know, you need friends that are going to point you to Jesus. You need that community. That's why we say get in a connect group or a D group or anything else here. That's why we preach that all the time. Dude is chilling. And he gets picked up by his friends. He's like, hey, put your shoes on, put your pants on, get dressed, get ready. We're going to meet this superstar down at the Bancorp South Arena, because it's not Cadence Bank Arena. We're going to meet him down here, this guy that everybody knows that can heal people, that can do the impossible. We're going to take you, and we're going to let you meet him, because maybe he can help you out. And this dude, he's like, okay, all right. I didn't have no plans for today. This is awesome. They literally carry him from it. I didn't, scripture didn't say how far it was, but I'm saying it wasn't next door. They literally walk, like they carry the joker on the mat, okay? Visualize with it. He carry him all the way down to where Jesus was teaching at. And then they get to the doors of Bancorp South and they're like, dude, it's full. Sorry guys, no more. Like it's like that winter jam. If you don't get there early, like you ain't getting in the door. It's like, sorry guys, it's full. We can't fit anybody else in. And his friends packed up and went home the end. No, his friends were like, I'm not, I'm not settling for that. 
I'm not settling for that. We want you to meet this guy named Jesus. We believe he can help you. Them jokers get on the fire escape on the side of the, the building. I don't know if they had fire escapes. I don't know how they did it. But they climb up the side of the building, get on the roof, and they open up a ceiling tile. Y'all, y'all get too spiritual when you read the Bible. I know, I didn't think you could, that could be a bad thing, but you do. I'm just saying, I'm up here, I got like severe ADHD. Okay, if somebody opens this ceiling while I'm preaching and it's about to drop down on Wayne and Mandy right now, I'm gonna be like, y'all better move. Like we ain't having church no more. What is going on? That would freak me out. That would be weird. Y'all get too spiritual when you read the Bible. I don't. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on right now? I'm visual. I'm a very visual person. This is why I can't read, like my wife. I was literally visualizing them lowering. They removed the ceiling tiles and dropped dude down in the middle of while Jesus is teaching. And Jesus stops. See, Jesus was ADD too. It's okay. Jesus stops. And he says, your friend's faith and your faith has forgiven you. He stops what he's teaching on. He stops what he's doing. He recognizes the need of the man that was the dedication, the faith. And up until this point, my guy on the mat has done nothing to earn this. He has done nothing to earn the favor and salvation of Jesus Christ. He did nothing to get himself there. He didn't carry his own mat. He didn't call his friends up and say, hey, take me to Jesus. He didn't do anything it was a free gift. Guys, this is why I want you to see. Up until this point, in the grace of Jesus Christ, he has done nothing. The grace of Jesus Christ is given to you for free. Somebody say amen. All you have to do is accept it and believe it. That's it. But here's what our, where I want to focus on today. I believe a lot of us stay right here. I believe for a lot of us in our own personal walks, this is where the story would end for us. Man, I have been forgiven. The mighty cross of Jesus has set me free. Amen. All right, boys. I want you to carry me back out of here so I can go home. And I'll see you guys next Sunday. We stay on our map. Man, Jesus has saved me. Praise God, Jehovah Jireh. I love it. We're going to sing and we worship. Tanner, we're going to feel a little bit of the spirit as we worship and everything else. All right, guys, boys, take me back home. And let me tell you, God has created you. God has given you a purpose for so much more than just sitting your butt on a mat. You guys want to finish the story with me? Somebody said, oh yeah. Y'all don't want to finish the story? He about to do a miracle. Y'all want to finish the story? Somebody say, oh yeah. Hey, let's go. That's why you don't let the youth pastor preach with coffee. We're going to finish the story because up until this point, He's done nothing to earn this, but he's going to say, guess what? I've forgiven you of your sins, but I've also not just saved you from something. I've saved you for something. Let me say that again because I don't think y'all heard it. I've not just saved you from your sins, from something. I have saved you for a purpose, for my glory, and for the work and redemption of work of building up the kingdom of God. I've saved you for a purpose too. Finish it with me right here. <clears throat> Whew. Thank you, air. Verse 21, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? We already talked about last week, all oh, these Pharisees, they always meddling. They self-righteous. They think they know better. <laughs> they legalistic. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Sorry, it's my Pharisee voice. When Jesus perceived, again, y'all are too spiritual when you read the Bible, okay? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, and let me stop here for just a second because this is good. 
Again, another little whole side sermon. Jesus perceived their thoughts. Can I ask you a question real quick? <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. If Jesus knew your thoughts, if Jesus knew your motivation, if Jesus knew your heart, would he be at the center of it? Can I give you a spoiler? He does. <laughs> he knows your thoughts that nobody else knows. He knows your motivation of why you're doing what you're doing, and he knows where your heart's at. He already knows. If Jesus perceived our thoughts, would it be good? I, again, that's a whole nother sermon. <laughs> I'm just dropping that off and leaving it for y'all. He perceived their thoughts, and he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know the Son of Man, get this, has authority on, or, on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And guess what the dude did? <laughs> what did he do, church? Immediately, he rose up before them, picked up, and what he had been lying on, went home and did what? Say it with me. Glorifying God. Some of y'all ain't with me. <laughs> We're in verse 20, 25, the very end. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he'd been lying on and went home. Let me make sure you're still paying attention. What did he do? Glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Church, this guy was having the best day on earth. But then it came to a decision for him. As Jesus gave him a command, he said, son, you're sitting down on this mat, and these jokers over here, these little religious leaders, these naysayers, these rule keepers, and the guys that think they're better than everybody else and their poop don't stink, even though it definitely does, I know, um, because he literally said, I perceive their thoughts, and I know that it does. Like, he li literally knew who they were, and he's like, like, I feel like there's like a sidebar in this conversation. He's like, hey, dude, you want to help me prove them wrong? I got you. Watch this. Like, he literally had to say, which is easier, to forgive sins that you say only God can do or to take up your mat and make a layman that ain't never used his legs before in his life to get up and walk? Which do you think's easier? They didn't answer. So he goes, all right, you ain't going to answer. Do this, bud. Get up. Get up off your mat. Go home and worship me. And what did he do? Just that. He got up, he took his mat, and he went home glorifying God. Church, here's where the difference comes between passive faith and trading passive faith for active faith. There's a quote that I have up here from Mike, Pastor Mike Todd, and I think Chris is going to put it up on the screen for me. And It says this, trading faith is exchanging that faith that got you here for the faith that will take you there. So here's my question to you, where is there? Where is there? Jesus has saved you. Jesus has forgiven you of your sins. I am not minimizing that by any stretch of the imagination. Praise God, because now my forever is changed. That is worth celebrating. That is worth living for. I'm not minimizing that by any stretch of the imagination. But there does have to come a point when you just stop accepting and you say, I'm going to get off my backside and do something with this. Because my God is too big, too good, too amazing, too gracious, too loving, too everything. And I'm all consumed with him to keep it to myself. 
You see, when you start following Jesus, at some point it's going to take an act of faith because guess what happens when you start following Jesus? You have an enemy. And it's not your boss. It's not your spouse. It's not your teenager. Don't nudge him. It's not anybody else sitting in this room. It's not that person you don't like. It is Satan. For the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you will have life and have it abundant and free. You have an enemy that will never stop to see your demise. He will never stop putting doubt. He will never stop discouraging you. He will never stop using circumstances to cripple you. He will never stop. But I got a bigger God. That his, oh, oh I'm going to preach, y'all. That his head is crushed underneath the feet. That serpent has been crushed. He has no claim. He has no power. Because my God not only forgives sins, he gives the ability to rise and take my mat and walk in the newness of life. So, yes, thank you. Somebody's getting into it. Woo! Can I be honest? This is what God is showing me in my life. This is where God is showing me, guys, I've been a Christian for a long time. I've experienced the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and I feel like most of y'all have too. If you haven't, welcome. No better time than today. And I know this nut job of a youth pastor up here is trying to convince you not to, but I promise it's worth it. We ain't all like me. It's okay. (laughs) I'm just a little more caffeinated than the average Christian, (laughs) okay? It's worth it. It's worth it. But what I believe most of us that are here today— We've, we know that Jesus has done this for us. We're just not rising up and walking. We're staying on our mat. We're staying complacent, just like the man. You see, he had a choice. God gave a command to this man that was laying down on a mat to do something that he had never done before. Like, you guys, again, you get too spiritual with this. You got to think he's looking at this dude, and he's like, hey, get off your tail and go walk home. And he's, and this is why you know this guy in the story wasn't a millennial, because he was like, that is offensive. I am paralyzed. I cannot do that, okay? Like, you, this is why you know he, I'm, I'm a millennial, okay? I'm picking on myself. Like, you know, like, that, that is offensive. You know, that, that's why you know he wasn't a millennial in this situation. You know why? He didn't argue. He didn't question. He got up. But he had a choice. Did you catch it? At some point, guys, we have to move beyond just what Jesus has done for us and do something with it. We have to choose an act of faith. We have to trade not only his sacrifice, not saying it wasn't enough, but use that as the motivation, the springboard, and the catalyst to move forward and make it a crazy act of faith because that's what's going to change this world. That's what's going to be the world that I want to raise my kids up in. Let me give you four quick practical things, four quick practical things on what this can look like in your life. You'll talk about these more in small groups, so I'm going to try and do this quickly because I am on a mission to beat Brother Terry's time. Let me give you these four things real quick. First, you have to actually believe. Guys, and I don't want you to miss this because this is so good. You have to actually believe that God is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he's going to do. This man was still on the mat This man was still just sitting right before Jesus on a mat when he said to him, your sins are forgiven. Didn't do nothing to earn it, but freely received it. It was only until, listen to me church, listen to me. It was only once he had changed his heart and made him a new person from the inside out first that he was going to give an outward manifestation of the deliverance. 
Do you understand what I'm saying, church? Let me say it in moral terms for you, okay? Because I'm simple. <laughs> Let me say it in the, the, smart, the simplest way for you. God will not change your outward circumstances until he changes your heart first. You want to be delivered from this situation? You've got a crappy job and you're so sick of dealing with it? You've got issues in your marriage that you're not wanting to work out because you are sitting here just trying to like, numb yourself from the day that you had? God is never going to fix your outward situation until he changes your heart from the inside first. You want, oh, I'm meddling in my own life now, y'all. We got to be careful. I want to be delivered financially. Maybe I need to learn stewardship before that can happen. Do you see the difference? Mm, it's getting quiet. You want your marriage to be restored? Maybe you need to swallow some pride and submit to your heavenly father first because then he can do inwardly and then will be manifested, manifested outwardly. Do you see the difference? We want that outward deliverance. We want this pain to subside. We want so much more, but we're not willing to let God genuinely change us and believe that he can and will do what he says he's gonna do and let him forgive us of our sins and swallow our own pride first so that we can be delivered outwardly. Do you see the difference, church? We need to genuinely believe. This man had to actually believe that his sins were forgiven before he could take up his mat and walk. I don't believe that Jesus would have said, I think he very intentionally did it this way. He didn't say, take up your mat and walk and then your sins will be forgiven. No, he says, I forgive you of your sins. You did nothing to deserve it, but now you're gonna do something with it. Now, talk, now walk and let me be a product, you be a display of my grace before everybody. That's exactly how God works. Church, we have to believe he is who he says he is, and we have to believe that he will do what he says he can do. The second part, and this is the part where, I'll be honest, I personally get hung up on the most. We have to obey and follow. We have to actually, you see, he was given the choice to obey. We have to actually choose daily to follow Jesus. I don't know about you, but your sin has been nailed to the cross once and for all, but I still struggle. Anybody else in here? Anybody else in here just want to like lose it on your kids? Y'all, I don't know what kind of granddaughter that Terry says to y'all, but it is a lie. Oh, she is two, getting ready to be three, and we call her our three-nager, because I kid you not, y'all, as much as I'm standing here, right here, God is my witness. We asked her yesterday. We said, Nora, you can't wear your pajamas to the pumpkin patch. You need to wear real clothes. And she goes, Daddy, I just don't care. Oh, I'm going to show you how you care. No, like, I, the attitude in a two-year-old. She's two. I, Terry is lying to y'all. I'm just saying, I love her. I love her, I promise. Like, I don't know about y'all, I still have, like, anger moments. I still have a problem sometimes controlling my words. I still have a problem getting unhealthy mindsets, unhealthy attitudes, and getting fed from social media and the news and everything else that I'm not allowing God to shape my perspective on what he can actually do. Anybody else? Can I get a witness? Y'all good? Y'all perfect? Cool. Just me. I struggle. I struggle to obey sometimes. And so what this man had to do is he had to make the choice. He could have said, no, my boy's got me. I'm cool. You forgave me of my sins, I'm good. But he wasn't settled for that. He said, rise, get up. He didn't say, but God, it's going to be hard. God, I'm not comfortable walking just yet. God, what if, what if when I stand up, I don't have the muscles built in my legs and it shakes a little bit and I look funny and people laugh at me? 
God, what if it means that I have to give up something? God, what if it means that I can't carry around my mat anymore? Church, you know where I'm going with this? God is asking you to give up something. And he said, stop with your excuses. Stop with your anything else. I am trying to get you to get rid of this thing and get up and have life abundant and free. Stop making excuses and just obey. Because I've got something better for you. You see, we don't want to. We're like, but that might make me uncomfortable. I've got news for you. When Moses' back was against the Red Sea and the entire Egyptian army was chasing after him, I don't think he was very comfortable. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den for praying and did absolutely nothing wrong, and he literally was at the mouth of a lion, I don't think he was very comfortable. Where in your Bible does it say God's most important priority for you after following him is to make you comfortable? Man, we didn't have no amens on that one. (laughs) It's not in there. He says it's for my glory. My life, take my life and let it be consecrated only to thee. Anybody, old church time. I don't like all the Southern Gospel crap Tanner does, I mean songs, that Tanner does, but I love me some hymns. Take my life, let it be, Lord, consecrated unto thee. How many of us are not, we're still sitting on our mats, we're comfortable, we know this, this is familiar, and we're not stretched, and we're not being delivered from our situations, all because we won't get our backside off the mat. Sometimes it actually is up to us. We have to trade that passive faith for an active follow, surrender, and obedience to the King of Kings who wants what's best for us. The third one, let me give you guys these two real quick, and you'll talk about these later more tonight, is you need to take your testimony with you. I actually stole this um, from Pastor Mike Todd from a sermon that somebody had sent to me a little while back, and um, just Again, like I shared with you guys, the last six to nine months has been a personal, personal refinement season for me and Ashlyn. And, and, and in the best way, hopefully, as possible. But this is one of the illustrations that he gave with this. Do you guys realize in verse 25, there was a very specific command other than rise and walk? There was. Look back, open ver- or Chris, put it on the screen for me. Back in verse 25, what exactly did he say? Oh, my... The air blew my Bible over. It says in verse 25, Immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. You see, some of us, we leave this at the door. We're like, okay, I'm going to cast my burdens upon him for he cares for me and it's just gone forever. No, somebody needs to know that you were addicted to drugs. Somebody needs to know what God has redeemed you from. Somebody needs to hear your story and your testimony because it has the power to change their life. I had a conversation just a couple weeks ago with a, a guy about my age and he said, Andrew, I know that like, and just so you don't, if you don't know my story, like I was addicted to drugs. I was getting drunk all the time. I was showing up to church stoned out of my mind. Like I was not, I was that pastor's kid, okay? Like I lived a complete double life. And he looked at me and he said, Andrew, like I don't have that crazy story. I didn't go to jail. I, di- I didn't like do all the horrible bad things. I wasn't on, you know, painkillers, anything like that, like you. And I'm like, thanks, jerk. Um, <laughs> no, no, he, he meant it. Like I understood what he meant. He's like, I didn't do all that. He's like, I mean, I grew up in church. I just played games until I got serious as an adult. And I wish I wouldn't have, but like, that's my story. It's not, you know, it's not fancy. That just is what it is. And I said, dude, you need to tell that story. 
You need to tell that story because that testimony speaks way more than even mine will. I can, I can relate to some people because some people have been through the same things that I am. That's why I'm so caffeinated and crazy today. Praise God. But a lot of people are way more normal than me. And a lot of people have that same story where they were maybe grew up in church or had a little bit of exposure in church, but didn't actually get serious. And they never traded a passive faith of what Jesus Christ did for them to actually do something with it. That testimony is way more common and somebody needs to hear it. Somebody needs to hear your story too. Hey, somebody gets it. Somebody needs to hear your story too. He says to take your mat, what you've been lying on and what you've been holding it back and take it with you. It's gone. But you need to let other people know of what you've been through and overcome through the blood of Jesus. And the last one is to live on purpose. To live on purpose. Guys, he's created you for life abundant and free. The devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. You know what that looks like? It means less of you and more of his mission. When you take your mat and you go back and you glorify God and it says that he went home, here's the cool part of what that story doesn't say. Nine times out of ten, when you read about somebody that was paralyzed in the Bible, they stood outside the gates of the church. This is just from, you know, extra studying. They, stu- they stayed outside the gates of the church because they weren't allowed to work. They were considered less than in society. And so they would stand to the church people, which, the, you know, there's a novel concept, should, to uh, help them out because they are the ones following, you know, God. They should be the most loving and the most generous not always the case, but that's what they would do is they would stand outside the synagogue and hopefully the Pharisees would give them money and they would beg. You got to know that when this dude is seen up here like doing leprechaun kicks because he can walk and he's got his mat with him, that he literally was changed from the inside out that people are going to say, that's that dude that was paralyzed. He has literally got his mat that I've never seen him get up off of and is walking around with it. What in the world has changed? And he goes, let me tell you about my God. Ooh, church, somebody needs for you to live on purpose. Some of you guys have been sitting in passive faith. You've been sitting on your mat. You've been sitting in your mess. And God's wanting to redeem and he will restore and will change your circumstances. But you won't believe that he will do it. You won't obey and follow what he's asked you to do or sacrifice and commit to what he's asked you to do. Or... You're not actually sharing your testimony and living on purpose. Can I tell you, that's better than anything. That's where the real life is at. Now, let me wrap all this up, and the band can come on out here. Guys, can I be honest with you guys? I told you this multiple times. These last few months have been a season of personal refinement for myself and Ashland. God's been showing us. God's been stretching us. I like my map. I really do. I do sometimes, despite what it looks like, I do push-ups on this thing. Like, I, I like my mat. It's squishy. It's comfy. It's what I know. And God says, Andrew, I'm moving you beyond what is right in front of you and what you can see right now. Do you trust me? And church, I have to realize, do I genuinely believe that he's got me? even if it makes me uncomfortable? Am I going to obey and follow and sacrifice what he's called me to do for something better? even if I don't know what that is or what that looks like just yet? Am I going to take my testimony with me of saying, yeah, I don't know how we made it through this season of life, and y'all, I still don't know how I'm making it, but I don't know how I made it through this season of life, but God, that's how. But God, 
I'm going to take my testimony with me, and then I'm going to walk and live in purpose to a lost and dying world that needs to hear that message. And look, I'm far from perfect, and I don't have this whole thing figured out. I'm just a sinner saved by grace that's doing the best he can to follow Jesus and trading my passive faith and saying, everybody do all this for me for an active, reckless following and obedience to Jesus Christ. Church, where are you? What do you need to surrender? What is holding you back? What's on your mat that you need to take up, surrender to God, and let him give you a miracle? Guys, church, he wants to give you a miracle. I believe not just that he can, but that he will, that he will bless Connect Church, that he will bless you personally in your life, but you have to live in daily surrender to him. Rise, take up your mat as you go this week and walk in newness of life. Let's stand and pray, church. God, thank you so much. Thank you for so much what you're doing in my life. God, this has been a tough season. God, I prayed that prayer that just happened in Luke chapter 5. I prayed that from Psalm chapter 51. Search me, O God, know my heart. See my transgressions, know where I'm at, and God, humble me. And God, just as we read today that you perceive our thoughts, God, you know that this has been a season of refinement, and God, I know I'm not the only one. <laughs> Some of these people have real situations, real trouble, real issues with their family, with their jobs, with their finances, with their kids, with their whatever. And God, you're saying, if you believe that I will, you're saying that if you surrender and follow what I have that's better for you than anything you can make of yourself. If you genuinely take your testimony with you and you live on purpose, you're going to find that life abundant and free. I didn't, I didn't just make you for a struggle. I made you for a life abundant and free. God, this ain't some name it and claim it stuff. This is just simply your glorious truth. God, I believe there's somebody in here that needs to surrender something. I believe that there's somebody in here that doesn't that has questions and they need to talk to somebody after service. I believe that there's somebody in here that has just failed at sharing their testimony and not lived on purpose and they just wanna to commit to doing that right. So church, as you pray and as you sing, we're gonna sing a verse of invitation. We wanna open up this altar. If you need to come do business with Jesus, if you need to surrender something, if you need to recommit something, if you need to genuinely commit your life for the first time to following Jesus, I don't want you to leave today without missing that opportunity to take up your mat, rise and walk in newness of life. So as Tanner leads us. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.